and folks welcome into Pro Football Ireland. Michael O'Quinn, delighted to be joined with Jason Hayes. Jason, hope you're doing well and welcome to everyone listening in. We're going to have, a, I think this is like the 15th team now. We're, we're getting across the league, a team focused looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think this is one of the really interesting ones because we've got a guy that's covered the team for a long time. And we're going to not just hear stuff from the present. We're also going to hear some stuff for the past, which has got a, hopefully a little bit of an Irish uh, twing on it as well. Uh, Ed Bouchette's a uh, former uh, writer with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette covering the Steelers. Um, and now obviously retired, but Ed, uh, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. It, it's an honor to have you on. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. Um, and I will tell you, I also just retired from uh, the Hall of Fame voting. I did it long enough, and Jerry Dulac of the Post Gazette now going to handle it. Awesome. Well, could, just obviously, huge congratulations on what just from generally looking for five minutes at a few days ago, just an incredible career, just the, the, the amount of experience that you've had, and you, you really seen it all with Pittsburgh. And um, I guess if we start off, let's let's look at the very like the, the most up to date thing. Um, we are going to talk about Ireland like a little bit and and we will get into the game in 97 and just in just a few minutes this, the Steelers obviously announced uh, last month that they were going to market in Ireland and, and, and they hope to or they're going to explore the opportunity of having a game um, in Ireland hopefully in the future it's it's a real natural fit and I would presume that there's a man uh, called Dan looking down smiling at the moment yeah Dan was one of my favorite people. Um, I still miss him. I really do. And, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was really fun and a privilege at the same time to, uh, travel with the Steelers over to Ireland for that game in 97 at Croke Park. Um, it, 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 it was a wonderful experience. And I, I know Dan was proud of the whole thing. Do you want to talk to us about that trip? Ed, how did you find Dublin, and uh, was it a once in a lifetime type thing, or how did you find it? It was Jason um, uh, Temple Bar. We spent a lot of time down in that area. <laughs> spent a lot of money too, I imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spent a lot of the Post Gazette's money. Let's put it that way. Um, and Dan Rody had a trip uh, for us um, out into the country to a um, a pub where they had some Irish dancers and that was a real treat um, just to get outside of Dublin. And a buddy of mine went down to the ocean uh, at one point, uh, and I forget the name of the area. We took a train down there from Dublin. It, it was a, 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 not a long trip. Uh, walked around a little bit down there, but that, those were the only couple of times we got out of Dublin. Cause you have to remember we were there working too. We had a, go to practice, write stories. And, uh, the good thing was, um, uh, everything was, uh, the deadline was real good, uh, because we were over there and, um, had to get it done and had our stories in and then could do, go do some stuff. But, um, I just, I loved it. I loved everything about it. My grandmother was from Ireland and, um, I didn't get to explore much of that, but, uh, um, it was it was good to be at least visit her country once. Well, if you ever get a chance to come over again, you're more than welcome. And please send us an email, and we will certainly not just go to the Temple Bar, but we'll we'll, we'll get that train to wherever that was. I, I'm I'm going to guess Cork straight up. 
because Jason's a cork man at the bottom here. Um, <laughs> it's funny, Ed, we were talking to, uh, just to stay in this 97 game for a few minutes, we were talking to uh, Coach Cower, I think it was last year or the year before, maybe a year ago, and, and he was talking to us about the night before that game where I think you know Dan's wife had seen, uh, Pat or Patricia had seen, the trophy and he basically you know, it's, it's a pre-season there's no pressure there but they really wanted to win that trophy for, for just for his wife and it, it's amazing because we really seen firsthand at the end of May you know the Steelers were the first team to actually celebrate this new marketing strategy in person all these different teams have not done that and you could see firsthand there just how much it went to Dan Jr., but to just just the family as well, and going up and obviously getting the chat to Cordell as well. It was it was a very special time, and and I can just imagine that that time for you was special, even just looking back at it and seeing this new stuff as well. Yeah, it, it, I'm a bit surprised, Michael. They haven't scheduled another game. Uh, what's that? We're 26 years now, right? Uh, I thought for sure. I mean, they go to they go to London and. Now they're going to Germany, and um, you would think they'd schedule one over there because it was so well-received. I remember the Steelers were supposed to play the Patriots in 1990 over there, and that kind of fell through, and I'm not quite sure why. But um, I, I, I think if the Steelers were involved, it would be a hit, and I think they should actually put a regular season game over there. And I, I would bet the Steelers would give up uh, – one of their home games as well to, in order to do that. Yeah, hopefully we're not too far away from that happening. Um, but the Steelers have had quite their fill of international games in their history. I might rattle off a few here, Ed. I'm not sure how many you've uh, traveled to, but they've had pre-season games, all of them. Yeah. So at Barcelona, Tokyo, Mexico City, Montreal, Toronto. More recently... Uh, 10 years ago they were in London for a regular season game as well um, I just I made, them all. <laughs> made them all amazing the, the um, longest trip of course was Tokyo I think that was 16 or 18 hours direct flight on Japan Airlines well um, how did you what? how did you find Tokyo by the way <laughs> very hot I was surprised at how hot it was of course the game was in August but um, very hot very crowded it wasn't as enjoyable because uh we didn't stay there a full week um i i forget how many days three or four days we stayed a full week in ireland um we didn't stay long in london either when when it was the regular season game but the barcelona and ireland trips were were my favorites uh i, I like barcelona but i'd have to list i'd have to list ireland as number one and not just because I'm a guest today. Love it. Um, but I'm kind of curious, just overall, those trips obviously occurred over decades. Um, in general, how did players react or how did they feel when they were going on these international trips? And do you think that's changed over time? I don't know because they haven't been on one lately, Jason. Um, I think they enjoyed them all. Uh, Mexico was a little different. Um, we, we were told not to go to certain places in Mexico city. So, and so were the players. So I think that was, you know, more contained, but the other places we just, everybody just, I, I, I do believe the players enjoyed it. I could tell you the news media did. We enjoyed those trips 
Um, even the one to Montreal that was supposed to be in Ireland. Do you think they right. can be, um, sorry, Michael, just leave it. Um, can they be beneficial in terms of building camaraderie amongst the players and, you know, just building overall team bonding? Well, I will tell you the Steelers believe that. Now, we're talking about the 90s mostly. Those games were played uh, except for London. And, um, you know, there's different, we're in a different era now. We're, we're in another generation, really. So I don't know how the current players would react. Some of those uh, years, uh, let's see, they went to Barcelona in 93. They went to Mexico in 90, Japan in 96. Um, actually, they went to uh, Montreal in '90. They went to they must have gone to Mexico in like '91 or so. I remember Peyton Manning was a quarterback though. Um, you've witnessed an awful lot in your career in terms of covering the theaters, and you you don't have to answer this question if you if you don't want to. But um, what was the best team you covered, or or, or the team that you had the most fun covering that for the theaters? Oh boy, um, '05 was fun toward the end um, because nothing was expected. They were like uh, seven and six at one point, and I remember um, someone saying to me, "Oh, they're gonna go to the Super Bowl." Actually, my sweetheart said that. Now my lovely girl, uh, she said they're going to the Super Bowl. I go, heck out. I said, no. She said they're gonna win. I said they would have to win eight games in a row to win the Super Bowl. They were seven and six. Darn it, they didn't do it. And with Jerome Bettis going to Detroit, his hometown and everything, it just, and that Detroit uh, Super Bowl with all the fans coming from Pittsburgh, there had to be 75% of the fans there had to be Steeler fans uh, because they could drive. It was close enough to drive. Uh, it, that was an enjoyable time. Um, I will tell you that, but you know, there were a lot of teams that were fun. Um, I actually enjoyed, you're going to find this crazy. I enjoyed covering the 87 player strike. Um, there were a lot of stories with some of these crazy guys who played on those replacement teams. And, and then with, uh, some of the veterans crossing the picket line and, you know, they went out of town to, to down to Johnstown, which is an old, another old steel city here, uh, about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh to train, uh, that new replacement team. It was just, that was fun. That was fun too. So without rambling, um, you know, you'd have to pick, uh, a lot of those Super Bowl teams naturally. Um, and you know, it, it the year is all always colored by the end. Um, so that, you know, that win against um, the Cardinals in 08, 08 season, 09 a year was also pretty good because of the way it ended. You know, as a Cardinals fan, I, I feared that might come up today. So I'm just going to quickly move on. I have, but remarkably, throughout all those years and all that success that the Steelers have had, um, and you've covered the team for quite a while, well, remarkably, there's been only three head coaches, you know, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and of course now Mike Tomlin. Um, what is it about the organization that's allowed them to enjoy such long-term sustained success? Have they just got lucky three times in a row or does it go beyond the head coach? 
Uh, I think it does go beyond the head coach to a point, but you have to give those guys a lot of credit too. And I covered all three of them. Um, you know, there was uh, there was a they're different men, different styles. But I will tell you, first of all, all of them were defensive coaches. And um, even though <laughs> when Chuck came here, Chuck Noll, he was his own offensive coordinator. I think he had, I think there were six coaches on that staff. Now they have what? 106 teams have now coaches. Um, but he was the offensive coordinator, even though he was a defensive coach uh, with Baltimore and in San Diego and the American Football League. Um, but they were all, they all had stubborn streaks. And I've come to think that, uh, you know, a stubborn streak in a, a football coach isn't entirely bad. In fact, it's probably a good uh, good thing to have as long as you recognize that uh, at times you, you know, you have to uh, not be so stubborn. Our, our last question, looking back in terms of the previous and, and the Irish links, et cetera, before we look at the more modern things and going on this season is this. You probably already gave the answer, Ed, but um, my question was going to be, what was the best Super Bowl you covered? Was it Detroit, like that just legendary moment? The, my best moment, Michael. In, in, it, sorry, in terms of like the best Super Bowl that you've covered, it, just in your career with the Steelers. Oh man, I'll tell you what, I, I, Michael. They were all good, even the loss to Dallas, because the Steelers hadn't been to a Super Bowl in so long. Um, they went from the uh, '79 season to the '95 season, and to get back to one like that. Um, was pretty exciting. That was an exciting week. Um, I actually covered the their fourth Super Bowl, their, their win over the Rams in, uh, in the Rose Bowl. But I wasn't I wasn't a beat guy then. I was in a suburban paper, and I was only out there for a few days. Uh, but that was an outstanding game. I mean, nobody thought it would be that close. Um, the Steelers were losing that game and pulled it out thanks to John Stallworth and Jack Lambert. Um the one in Tampa when they beat um, the Cardinals was a lot of fun as well. Um, and by then, I had a few Super Bowls under my belt, so I really knew how to, you know, approach things. And, um, and when I say a few Super Bowls, I had more than a few, but I had a few with the Steelers. I had one, two, three, four. Um, so that was, that was a fun time for me. And uh, actually, the one against Green Bay, that that was terrible. Um, it, Dallas was hit with an ice storm, and it it was just uh, it wasn't a very good week leading up to that. And then, of course, it started out poorly for the Steelers, and it ended that way. Moving to the current uh, roster now, Ed. You know it is. It's <laughs> tough. In tough to- been, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll have some insight regardless. Um, you know, like tough times are hard to come by in the Steelers' history. Um, you might call what they're going through now a semi-tough time in that they haven't won a playoff game in six years. It's actually the longest ban without a playoff win um, since the Immaculate Reception got them their first week, uh, playoff win back in 72. Um, yeah, go on. Well, I, I don't judge things necessarily by 
them going that long without a playoff win. I, I can go down a list and tell you certain reasons why they didn't uh, win certain games. And, you know, um, from Shazier's injury, that just killed them that year. And it came late in December, and they couldn't find anybody to replace them. I mean, how could you anyway? But the people they were using just weren't very good. And I think if he had been in there, that Jacksonville game would have been a little different. Um, I don't think Jacksonville would have scored that many points. Nevertheless, um, they've had success. And, you know, um, the, the NFL, people, people here don't understand it. The NFL is designed to kill success and to help the poverty, if you will, to help the help the, the, the poor teams down at the bottom get better. That's everything's designed for that from the draft. And, you know, um, if you have a great quarterback, then, you you know, you're it takes away your salary cap after he gets his second contract uh, to use somewhere else because he's getting all the money. Um, you know, the Chiefs are going to find that out and some other teams as well that have great quarterbacks going on their second uh, contracts. But I, the, to answer your question, I think they're more a team in transition. I really do. Um, obviously, a quarterback, you know, and if they hit this right, they're going to be good. If they miss, and we don't know yet, he's only played one season, Kenny Pickett. Uh, it, it's going to take them probably a while to recover. But they have an opportunity now because he's on a rookie contract in the second year. Uh, he will be in his third year. Maybe they do it uh, before his fourth year. You know, they can, they'll, they'll have five years for him because of uh, him being a first-round pick. Um, so, you know, I, I think they did a good job of spending their money in free agency this year. And I think they did what, you know, we won't know for three or four years, but I won't be here maybe invited on your show four years from now, so I'll say it now. It looks like a really, really good draft. Um, and they needed a left tackle. That left tackle they had was not very good. So I think they've done a good job so far, but, you know, we'll see when they start playing. They don't have an easy schedule next year, and they don't have an easy road schedule. You, um, you're you welcome on this podcast anytime, but you're also a good mind reader there because the next question was going to be, what did you make of Kennedy Pickett's first season? I guess you sort of touched on that a little bit there, but it's like just, just for the general fan listening to this podcast, it might not be a Cedars fan. Um, it's it's really it's really intriguing for just for him going into year two, isn't it? Yes, rookie quarterbacks. I mean... There have been very few rookie quarterbacks, and you can count Peyton, probably Peyton Manning and others, who have had great rookie seasons. And he didn't have a great rookie season, but he didn't have a bad one. I thought he had a decent one. Um, considering, uh, first of all, he didn't get many reps in the preseason. Uh, he was third string um, for seconds. I can't even remember, but he, I, I know he didn't. they didn't commit to him. They committed to Mitch Trubisky. And, um, you know, he was thrown right out there, and I forget what game it was uh, now, but um, and then he got hurt. So I I think once you see him a full year in, he's working with some players now, 
after the mini camp. Um, he's got the same coordinator. I think that's everybody was talking about. They should get rid of the coordinator. I think you, you needed to give him another year with Pickett. And uh, so I, I really think that Pickett is going to be a much better quarterback this year than he was last year. I mean, it, it just it should all add up. I'm curious to get your thoughts on TJ uh, Watt. Um, it's, you know, he's primed to break the franchise sack record in this coming season now when he's only just entering his seventh season, um, really entering his prime uh, for his position in the league. Um, he probably hasn't been as fortunate to be on some of the dominating Steelers defenses of the past, but just how good a player do you think TJ Watt is and where will he sit amongst those Steelers greats when all is said and done? As an outside linebacker, um, I, I would put him up there. Now, when we're talking about the 70s, the outside linebackers were different then. Um, Jack Cam was a, uh, you know, a, a 4-3 outside linebacker. Uh, he wasn't asked to rush the quarterback the way the 3-4 outside linebackers are. Um, but I would put him right up there with some of the – I mean, I'm trying to remember, was there an outside linebacker? in Steelers history who was named NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think so. Um, unless I'm missing somebody. Uh, Greg Lloyd was very good. He got hurt. Um, Mike Merriweather had a year or two, and then they, you know, he held out. They traded. Um, good, you can get down a list. Um, Kevin Green, exceptional, and he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was only here three years. Um, so... I, I think you'd have to put him way, way up there as far as a 3-4 um, outside linebacker, a guy who's asked to rush quarterback. What concerns me a little bit is his history of injuries. Um, and I don't know if that's going to continue. You know, some guys make it through their career without getting hurt much, and some guys it just, for whatever reason, the physiology, I don't know what, but uh, the way they play the game, you know, he – he doesn't hold anything back, um, but that would be my only concern: is how how what's the longevity going to be here? Um, penultimate question: that um, was you know looking at the Steelers at the moment, and there's been a few elements looked at there. That's all fine and well. That's the hell of a division that they're in, and a lot of people are focusing too much on the East this year in terms of Aaron Rodgers coming in. We're not. Well, I feel like we're not talking about the North enough. Like that is one hell of a division I, I guess the question for me would be for you how do you see the Steelers faring in the North in 2023 well you'd have to pick them I know people are picking them fourth I'd pick them third I, I don't I don't think much of Cleveland I, I think that whole quarterback thing is gonna uh, is gonna fall apart there in Cleveland um, I just that uh, I don't know I mean one of these days I guess they're gonna turn the corner but um, Cincinnati is very good. Baltimore is, I think, is also a question in my mind as to. I think they were better a couple of years ago, and the quarterback there also um, has a history of injuries. And um, you know, they came came in and beat the Steelers with the number three guy last year. But um, I don't see them doing much if he if he misses many games. 
we'll finish up here and this with Ed and really appreciate our time again um, the storyline the past few seasons for the Steelers has been that you know they don't have a losing season and they somehow keep getting back to 500 or above towards the end what does it say about Mike Tomlin the coach um, to not have had a losing season on his resume um, and his ability to get the most out of perhaps a weaker team on some years you know I'm surprised Jason a lot of people here use that as a negative like oh you know hasn't had a losing season that's pretty good I think I mean some of the great coaches I covered Chuck Knoll um, he had a bunch of losing seasons in the 80s Six and ten one year, five and eleven one year. You know, I mean, he had some terrible teams. Bill Cower had uh, two six and ten teams, if I remember right, and a seven and nine. Um, it's it's hard to win consistently in the league like that. And okay, they haven't won in the playoffs, as everybody's pointed out, in quite some time. There's a bunch of teams that haven't done anything lately or for a long time um and it just that's the way it is with the nfl and you had one team dominate for so long the new england patriots that not too many other teams won super bowls during that time uh, not multiple super bowls anyway because of the patriots um i i i look their job is to win and winning Breeds winning. If you start losing and you get into that losing mode, losing breeds losing. So I think the, the, having that kind of record always gives you hope for the future because you expect to win. Maybe it doesn't happen. You know, people here aren't going to be satisfied till they win another Super Bowl. They've been spoiled. They have six of them. And, and uh, how many tries? Eight tries? Um, so, uh, but I, I, I think it's always been a competitive team and that's what you want when you're, when you're a fan, look, people are down on the pirates for years. They haven't done anything and it's terrible. The Pittsburgh pirates baseball team. Um, they're fortunately, they're fortunate. They have the Steelers and Pittsburgh Penguins, a hockey team here as well to be always competitive. Well, Ed, just just to finish up, Bonnie um, May was the the eight in Crew Park when it was just when the Steelers came over and had the chance to meet. I don't know, probably upwards of twenty or thirty people that were either at the game in '97 or have been fans their whole life. Um, and the, the amount of the people that we've maybe spoke to or interacted with in the last month has shocked me in a positive way, just in terms of how many fans there are here. And and I know that they'll be listening to this and they will. have really appreciated the time that you've given to us and just some of the stories you told us there it's it's been that uh, it's it's definitely been great fun and uh, i know both myself jason and, and just the whole team here re- really appreciate your time and hopefully if we get a chance to come over to a game we will uh, certainly repay you with a pint of guinness or, or four i'll leave you with this my first visit my only visit to ireland our first day there we throw our luggage in our hotel we run to the bar to get guinness the guy pours the Guinness and he puts it up on the trip on the drip tray, and the two of us go and reach for us for it. He goes, "No, no, 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 no!" And 
not yet. And he must have been laughing at us. Um, so he poured it, you know, a couple more times and then he put the little thing on top, the imprint on the top. If I came away with nothing else from Ireland, I learned how to drink again. Love it. I love it. And uh, Gobi and Margaret, thank you so much. Uh, chat to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Jason.